You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. John chapter number 15, we'll begin reading in verse number 1, and we'll read down to verse number 8. And when you find your place there, if you're able, if you could please stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. John chapter 15 and verse number 1. The Bible says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing." If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. In verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples." Thank you, Brother Dan. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the privilege to be in church today. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts from the Word of God. I thank you that we stand here this morning and we gather this morning and we listen this morning uh, not to the ideas of a man, not to the ideas of an institution, but we gather together to hear from heaven. And we have the opportunity to open the pages of Scripture that are the inspired, inerrant, infallible words of God. And I pray that we would not miss what you have for us today. Lord, uh, I know that the folks who are here today, they're, they're not here because they had nothing else to do. But they're here this morning because they need something from you. And Lord, I do not want to stand in the way. I do not want to fail at the responsibility you've given me today. But Lord, I want to deliver the message in the way you'd have me to deliver it. I pray you'd speak to us. If there's anyone here or anyone that's listening this morning that does not know Christ as their Savior, I pray today would be the day of their salvation. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. We see in this passage, John 15, we see the word abide. That word is mentioned many times in this short passage of Scripture. The word abide is going to be a key word we're going to look at. And I want to make sure we understand what that word means. The word abide, it means to dwell. It means to stay. It means to continue. It literally is the idea of, of, of dwelling in a particular spot. We would use the word um, your abode. It's the place where you live. And this word abide is such an important word. But the Bible here does not say that we are supposed to abide in a person. It doesn't say you get a good friend and you abide in that good friend, although I'm thankful for good friends. It doesn't say that you're supposed to find a good organization and you just, you stay with that organization no matter what. It doesn't say that. This verse does not say that you are supposed to abide in a church. 
Now, the Bible does tell us we're supposed to stay in church, but how many of you know that churches come and go? There are churches that once existed and once preached the gospel, and their doors are closed now. Your loyalty cannot be to a church over Christ. Your loyalty cannot be to an institution over the Bible. Your loyalty, your uh, uh, continuance, your perseverance, and your dedication must be to one person. That uh, uh, abide command, the command to abide, is not a political party. That command to abide is not to a job or to a career. But this command to abide, it says in verse number four, Jesus is speaking. He says, I want you and I command you to abide in me. We are supposed to stay and abide and dwell and continue and rest in Jesus Christ. Now, he says in verse number one, Jesus says, I am the true vine. And ye, talking to his disciples, talking to Christians, he says, ye are the branches. Now, I always pictured a, a vine as being very small and maybe like a string or like a, a spaghetti noodle, you know, just real flimsy and real, real small. But can I tell you, that's not what this is talking about. Jesus is not that kind of a vine. Jesus is the true vine. I took Lacey and Savannah a couple weeks ago. We went back on a, on a hike down the canal trail. Anybody ever been on that hike of the uh, canal trail? That's a cool trail. And um, uh, my wife did not go the last time we went. And I'm kind of glad she did because we had not been on that trail 100 yards. And uh, Lacey spotted a snake. And it wasn't a big snake. It was just a little real bright green snake. It was kind of cool. But I was glad Joanna wasn't there for that reason, because that hike would have been over immediately. But we, we went on this hike and there are on this trail, there are vines. Have you ever seen those vines along that trail? I'm not kidding you. Those vines are this big around. They are massive vines. I had never seen vines that big. But can I tell you, the vine is so important because the vine is what connects the branches to the root. The vine is what connects the branches to the ground where the nutrients and uh, where the supply comes from. It is the vine that connects and keeps all of the branches intact. Jesus said, I am the vine and ye are the branches. Jesus said, I am the vine and my father is the husbandman. A husbandman is another name for a vine dresser. He is the one responsible for taking care of the vineyard, for taking care of the branches, for taking care of the fruit. And I'm glad that God is the husbandman. He is the vine dresser. I'm glad that God is in control in our lives. I'm glad that God is able to take care of us. God knows what we need. God knows when we need it. And God is the one who is in control. We must be connected to the true vine. We must be connected to Christ. The branches abide. They stay connected to the vine through all seasons. They stay connected in all kinds of weather, all kinds of conditions. The vine and the branches uh, make it through the cold of winter and the heat of summer. They make it through the drought. They make it through the wet, uh, 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 rainy, icy conditions because the branches stay connected 
to the vine. They stay connected to the source. The branches count on the vine for the source of nutrients to keep it alive, to keep it healthy so that it can bring forth fruit. The branches rely on the husbandman, the vine dresser, to care for it and to meet the needs that it has. When I was a child, we used to sing in Sunday school in junior church, I love him better every day. I love him better every day. Close by his side, I will abide. I love him better every day. Can I tell you, that's what every Christian ought to desire, to be close by his side, to stay close to Jesus. And when you stay close to Jesus, guess what? You're going to love him better. You're going to love him more and more. Uh, Some people, maybe the, the more you get to know them, the less you like them. The more you spend time with them, you're like, eh, that person's not all they're cracked up to be. But can I tell you, the closer you get to Jesus, the more you'll love him. The closer you get to Jesus, you'll realize Jesus will not disappoint you. Jesus will not fail you. Jesus will not let you down. Jesus will not disappoint. Jesus will be everything you need if you will abide. 1 John 2, the Bible says that the word of God abideth in you. God's word ought to be in us. 1 John 3, 6, whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. You know, sometimes we wonder why we struggle so much with sin. We wonder why we struggle with sinful habits or sinful pleasures, and we wonder why it seems like that sin so easily besets us. You know, one of the greatest things to get victory over sin is you get close to God. And the closer you get to God, the more you love the things that He loves and the more you hate the things He hates. And the more you get closer to God, the more you'll hate and despise the sin and the more you'll have victory over that sin. Many people do not abide. Many people quit. Many people quit in life when things get tough or things become mundane or the newness wears off or the excitement wears off. Maybe it's a job. Maybe you're working a job and you think, man, I used to love this job, but it is boring. I used to love this job, but now I got a new boss or now I I got a a, a different coworker. Now I got different responsibilities. And sometimes with a job, we get frustrated and we quit. Sometimes that's true in a family. Sometimes it's true in a marriage. Sometimes it's true in a ministry. Sometimes it's true with a church. I'm not saying you can't leave a church and especially if a church changes and a church stops to preach the truth of the word of God. I think you have a responsibility to get in a church that does preach the truth and a church that does proclaim the word of God. But can I tell you, if you switch churches every time, things get boring. Or every time that maybe something happens that you don't like, I got news for you. You're going to have a new profession. You're going to be a church hopper for the rest of your life. Because if you don't get in a place and get grounded and get settled and say, I'm going to stick with it, as long as the church sticks with the Bible, you will always find something that doesn't suit your fancy. You'll always find something that's not exactly what you want, but God's word tells us that we are to abide in Christ and we must stay connected to Christ. Don't run. Don't abandon the ship. Don't give up on God. Stay faithful and abide in Christ. Quickly, by way of introduction, number one, I want to say we must abide in the word of God. The Bible says in 2 John, verse number 9, it says that he that abideth not 
in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. You've got to get settled right now that you are going to stay grounded in the Word of God. I wasn't planning to preach about uh, current events and all that, but I'll say this, I am shocked and I am, I, am, I am irritated and I am so upset that in our culture, we have thrown God out and in our culture, we are now calling right wrong and wrong right. And in our society, we don't even know uh, 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 the gender anymore. We can't figure that out because there's 50 some genders. And we can't even figure out that abortion is murder. And we can't even figure out that homosexuality is an abomination in the sight of God. I got news for you. The culture changes, but God's word does not change. And you better abide in the word of God. If you don't figure out what you believe based on the word of God, you will be confused the rest of your life. I don't know if you have, if you watched any of the uh, confirmation uh, of the, uh, this new Supreme Court justice. And I won't get into the details this morning, but the, the LGBT crowd, they are redefining terms every day. And there are terms that are now, I didn't realize we had more food up here. Hallelujah for that. Ooh, my, I might preach a little longer now. We've got reinforcements. But this LGBT crowd, you know what they're doing? They're redefining terms. And if you say a term that is offensive to them, they will cancel you. They will call you out. They will tell you how despicable and how awful. Here you go. You ready for this? And they'll tell you how intolerant you are while they're screaming in your face. Does that not strike anybody else as odd? That the people screaming tolerance are the least tolerant people on the planet? Does that, not, does that not reason with anybody else? But here's what I'm saying. People change. The things you're hearing today, you didn't hear 20 years ago. The things you're hearing today, people weren't even dreaming of 20, 30 years ago. But guess what? The Bible remains the same. And you better abide in the word. Number two, you need to abide in worship. Leviticus 8, the Bible says that the priest was commanded to abide at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation day and night, seven days, and keep the charge of the Lord. Psalm 61, David said, I will abide in thy tabernacle forevermore. You say, Pastor, we know you keep us here about all day, and you about keep us here forever because you preach so long. Well, I'm trying to help you obey the Bible. But we're to abide, number one, in the word. But number two, we're supposed to abide in worship. We ought to continue in worship. We ought to rest in worship. We ought to stay faithful to worshiping God and being in God's house and being with God's people and praising and exalting God. And, and these hymns that we sing, I promise you, Brother Nathan and I, we don't get together and say, well, I guess we'll sing these. We don't have anything else to sing. I guess we got to find something to fill the service. So, well, I guess we'll do singing. And Brother Dan, I guess we'll do scripture reading. Oh, no, that's why we're here, to praise God and to worship God and to read his word and to study his word and to glorify him. And we must abide in worship. Number three, we must abide in a walk with God. Psalm 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You say, well, pastor, isn't the word of God, isn't that the same as a walk with God? They, they go hand in hand. 
But the word of God, this is your foundation. This is your doctrine. This is what you believe. This is why you believe it. But a walk with God, it takes it a step further. A walk with God is when God talks to you and you talk to God. It's when you spend time with him. It's when you get in the word of God and you, 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 you read something in the Bible and you say, I need, to, I need to read a little bit more. I need something from God. I need to read that verse again. I need to read that chapter again. I feel like God's speaking to me, but I don't want to miss it. And you say, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? And you pray and you say, God, would you help me not just to read it, but would you help me to live it? God, would you help me to put it into practice? And you walk with God and you have a relationship with God and we must abide. It's easy to get out of a walk with God. It's easy for the television to take over. It's easy for screen time to take over. It's easy for the cell phone and the text messaging and the, the messenger and the Facebook and the, the blogs and the news and the sports and, and the hobbies. It's easy for things to take over and everything is clamoring for your attention because Satan knows if he can get you distracted, it may not be sinful, it may not be wicked, but if he can keep you from walking with God, he is not going to have too much trouble in defeating you if he can keep you from that walk with God. So how do we abide? Turn with me, please, to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, I want you to see one verse, verse number 28. The Bible says, and now, little children, 1 John 2, 28, and now, little children, abide in who? In him. Abide in Christ. And now, little children, abide in him that when he shall appear. Oh, wait a second. So we're supposed to rest in him and we're supposed to be faithful to him because he's coming back. He's going to appear. One of these days, you're going to see him face to face. One of these days, you're going to see him and I'm going to see him and we're going to stand before him. He will appear and then we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to give an account. And the Bible says that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. You say, well, pastor, we're saved. We're going to heaven. We don't have anything to worry about. You're right. You don't have anything to worry about. You're not going to hell if you're saved. You've been born again. You've been washed in the blood and your eternity is secure. But can I tell you, we do have something to worry about. And that is that we're going to stand before Christ and give an account. Not to determine if we're going to heaven or not. That's all because of the blood of Jesus. But we're going to give an account for how we live for Christ. We're going to give an account for whether or not we were faithful. We're going to give an account for whether or not we serve God. And when we stand before him, John says, he says, you don't want to stand before him and be ashamed at his appearing. Now, when I was growing up um, as the oldest in, in the family, there reached a point where mom and dad didn't need babysitters. And I think they kind of enjoyed that, you know, when they didn't need babysitters, because guess what? I became the babysitter. And as the oldest of seven children, let me tell you something, that was not an easy task. How many of you know you had to babysit your siblings growing up? You know what I'm talking about? Now, here's something else I didn't understand. When babysitters came, before I was old enough to be the babysitter, when babysitters came, Mom and dad, they would like pay them something. I mean, it wasn't a lot of money, but they'd pay them something. And so I remember the first time they said that I was going to be the babysitter, I'm thinking, hallelujah, part-time job. 
income and, and money in the bank. And boy, this is going to be awesome. And with the number of siblings I was babysitting, I was already racking it up thinking this is going to be good. Let's see, the going rate is a certain number of dollars per hour per child. Oh, I'm telling you, I could already, I could see the dollar bill signs just in my mind. And it didn't exactly work out that way. How many of you know that when you're babysitting your siblings, you don't get paid for that? Did y'all know that? See, I didn't know that until after I started babysitting and mom and dad would get home and I'd say, what, what about my payment? They'd say, what about your rent? What about your utilities, you know? What about the clothes on your back and the food in your... St and so we, we, we came to an agreement, grudgingly. But I remember before I was the babysitter, I remember mom and dad would have babysitters come and, and take care of us. And I, I remember, and mom, we had, we had you, had, you all picked some good babysitters. We had some good babysitters, and probably it's because there weren't too many brave enough to, to watch us and... There probably weren't too many you trusted either. But I remember a couple times, I remember some babysitters that I thought everything was going to be okay. They would come in and they would babysit us. And we always knew because mom and dad would give us a talking before they left. They said, now you be good and you behave and you don't hurt anything, anybody and you don't break, you know, all those rules. Don't kill anybody and don't set the house on fire. You know, all those things. And I remember that they would leave and they say, now when we get back, we're going to ask the babysitter, how you did. And, you know, we'd be sailing along thinking everything's great. And then mom and dad would get home and they would talk to the babysitter, usually while we were right there. And so we're listening in. And I remember a couple times, I remember sitting there in horror and shock, thinking, what planet is this babysitter from? She's describing how awful we were and describing how bad we were, and I honestly thought we did pretty good. I mean, again, nobody died, no, no fires were set, no glass was brought. I mean, I thought we did pretty good, and they're giving a report to mom and dad. Well, they were kind of rowdy. And I'm thinking, if you only knew the way we usually were, you would not say rowdy. You'd say perfect, angels. And they didn't listen to whatever. And I'm thinking, this is not good. Because that babysitter is getting ready to leave with her payment for babysitting that I never got. She's getting ready to leave, but we're staying to face the wrath. We are in trouble. The words that this babysitter is repeating to my mom and dad, those are the very words that are going to get me in big trouble. And I remember sitting there, standing there listening, thinking, oh, no. This is not going to be good. And then when the babysitter would leave, we would try to plead our case and get out of trouble or whatever. And normally we didn't get out of trouble. But there was an element there that when mom and dad appeared home, we did not want to be ashamed at their coming. We didn't want the report to be Jeremy and Julie and Joel and Jill. We were the oldest four. They were not good. They did this. They did that. We wanted a glowing report because that determined how good things were going to be at home for a while. Now, can I tell you this? When we stand before God, there's not going to be a third party that's going to give an account for us. There's not going to be witnesses that are called. 
God's not going to pull up the security footage. God's not going to have to say, well, now, now I need to prove it to you. I, I got this all on tape. This is all on recording. I saw this. Oh, no. He already knows. He knows every thought that you have. He knows every word that you have spoken this week in private. He knows every text message that you have sent. He knows every thing you have done that you thought nobody else knew. God knows. He sees it all. And when we stand before him, if we, we say, oh, no, no, God, you got me mixed up. You're, that's, that was my brother or that was my, my, my spouse or that was somebody. No, no. God doesn't make any mistakes. He's not going to confuse anything. He's going to have it all figured out. And when we stand before him, we will either be glad and we will either have confidence or we'll be ashamed. So how do we keep from being ashamed? How do we stand before him with confidence? Quickly, let me give you a few thoughts. Number one, from John 15, we must be patient. That's what the word abide, it means. It means to wait. It means to, to continue, to stay, to dwell. The branch must come from the vine. It must be connected to the vine because without the vine, it has no life. And for you and I to stand before God and to say, God, here's what we have done with our life. If we're gonna accomplish anything, we must abide in Christ. We must be patient. You can't do it on your own. You can't figure it out. You can't get everything all together. Without Jesus Christ, we can do nothing. We must wait on God. We must accept our role. We must abide in Him. We must continue in His love. We must be patient. I'll speak more about patience tonight, but I'll tell you, patience is not easy for me. And if you're a patient person by nature, God bless you. I'd love to know your secret. But for most of us normal people, most of us sinful people, it's hard to wait. But you know what the branch has to do? The branch has to wait on the vine. The branch has to wait on the husbandman. And as God's people, we must wait on him. Number one, patience. Number two, there's purging. The Bible says in uh, John chapter 15 that if a branch does not bring forth fruit, that Jesus has to, or God, the husbandman, has to purge that branch. Now, purging, it means to prune in this case, but purging also means to cleanse something or to clean something from filth or uselessness. Now, we have in our house, we have a couple things that we like to purge. We have a couple things we like to remove from our house. Number one, and this is a good thing to do, you have to remove the trash from your house. That's an amazing concept, isn't it? You have to remove the trash. If you don't remove the trash, nobody's going to want to live in your house. It's going to smell. You're going to draw bugs and, 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 and mice and all kinds of critters. And it's not going to be good if you don't take out the trash. you got to get rid of the filth. you got to get rid of the, 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 the trash. But then there's another thing you have to remove from your house, and that is anything that is useless. Anything that you do not use or you do not need, you cannot keep accumulating. 
They've got a word for that, and it's not a good word. It's called a hoarder, where people constantly bring stuff in, and they never send anything out, and eventually, you cannot even walk in your house. You cannot even sit in your house. You cannot eat at the table because the table's piled too high with stuff. You cannot sleep on the bed because there's stuff on the bed. And now please do not come to me after the service and say, Pastor, thank you for talking about that because my, my family member, they're do we're, not, we're not having an intervention or anything like that here in church, okay? That's, somebody else will have to do that. But we have to purge our homes of things that are useless. Well, guess what God needs to do in our lives? He wants to purge our lives of sin. And God wants to purge our lives of things that are useless. If a branch does not bring forth fruit, that branch must be pruned. It must be purged. Pruning is painful. Pruning is humbling, but pruning is necessary. Second Timothy says that we as God's people, if we're going to be a vessel unto honor, we must purge ourselves of these things that we might be used by the master. Number one, patient. Number two, purging. Number three, productive. In John 15, Jesus said his desire was that we bring forth fruit, that we bring forth more fruit, that we bring forth much fruit, and that we bring forth fruit that remains. The reason that we're here is to bring forth fruit. The reason that God has entrusted us with, with life and with breath and the reason that God has left us here on this earth is so that we could be productive. Look with me, if you would, at John chapter 15. And notice what Jesus says. He tells us that we are to bring forth fruit and that our fruit brings glory and honor to God. Our fruit uh, and our lives bring glory to God and it brings us joy. And our fruit, it allows us to see prayers answered. It allows us to see a life that's pleasing to God. Verse number eight, herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. And lastly, we see our purpose. Not only must we be patient and abide, not only do we have to endure and go through some purging, not only must we be productive and fruitful, but number four, we must recognize our purpose. Our purpose is that the Father be glorified in us. I want to ask you, how much glory has God received in your life this week? How much glory has God received from my life this week? If the answer is little, then we're not bringing forth much fruit. If the answer is none, then we're not bringing forth any fruit. If we're not bringing forth fruit, we have missed our purpose. Our purpose is to glorify the Lord. Our purpose is to tell others the good news so that they can be saved and so that God can be glorified. Notice verse number 16, and we'll close. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should be made. Could I tell you, it's amazing to think that God has chosen to use us. I can't believe that God would choose to use me. 
I can't believe that God would give me a, a purpose and give me a, something to live for and that God would entrust that with me. But can I tell you, God has chosen you. God wants to use you. He has ordained you. He has chosen you and he's given you a purpose. And that purpose is to glorify God. And that purpose is to live your life so that when Jesus comes back, you will not be ashamed, but you will have confidence at his appearing. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.